0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This piece was brought to you by Roberta's. Roberta'spizza.com.
2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn.
3: Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, the Communications Director here at HRN, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Katie Mosman-Wadler, our Executive Director. Hey, Kat. Welcome to fall. Welcome. It's our, it's our new season, guys. Hooray! <laughs> we have some pals in here
4: to celebrate the beginning of the new season with us. I'll go, I guess, from, from my right, as usual, Eliza Ham. Hello. And our wonderful membership
1: coordinator, Hannah Forden. I just don't think we can call it fall when there's this much sweat
4: <laughs> emitting
1: from my body.
4: <laughs> mm, okay, pre-fall, pre-fall. It's XL summer. Yes. <gasps> um, and in the booth, as always, we have David Tadashore, our stalwart engineer. What up? And our new friend, Noam Osman joining David in the studio. What's up,
3: Noam? Hi. Hi! And we have a very special guest with us today. Can you want to introduce our guest? do! Uh, in the studio with us today, our special guest is Brad Farmery. He's the executive chef at Saxon and Parole and Public in Manhattan. He's here with us today to chat about Feast Portland, where he'll be cooking at one of the festival events that I'm most looking forward to, 80s versus 90s. And we're going to get into that more later and talk a lot about Brad's background. Um, Welcome, Brad.
5: Hey, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Brad.
3: We're so excited to have you. I learned before the show talking to Brad that he is a like Feast Portland OG and like he's the guy to ask any questions that we might have about our first trip to Feast. Amazing.
5: (laughs) Yeah, you're in for a trip.
3: (laughs) So we here. Um, We have been
4: looking forward to this for a long time and really dreaming about going for years and we're very delighted to be invited this year but uh i think that we're definitely gonna have to ask you to give a sort of general rundown and perspective on the, the overall of
3: this as well as talking about 80s versus 90s
5: because definitely I think there's just a
3: lot to take in
5: yeah a lot to look forward to so. oh yeah. yeah
3: um with that being said uh first up in our announcement segment is feast we're
4: going we're going we're gonna go there Woo! let's Katie, do it what are we doing at feast We are doing so many things, but primarily our focus is around um, generating some content we have an amazing setup we're going to be broadcasting live interviews on friday and saturday the 14th and 15th did i get the dates right yes i didn't even have to look at the sheet although that would have been way the easier way to do it Um, i did write a script for this katie i know i know i'm sorry i'm like already off the rails we're five minutes in and i'm like gone off script um but we are super jazzed we're gonna be um in the beautiful converted Airstream trailer Stream PDX, which has been built out as a podcast studio. And we're going to be located in Director Park, and everybody should take a look out for the Airstream. We'll be beside, but not to be confused, with the Airstream trailer of uh, Visit Austin. And, um, yeah, we've got a pretty jam-packed schedule. Um, Kat and I will be there as well as Liza. And we're also bringing a couple of HRN hosts along to help us out with the interviews. So Dana Cowan of Speaking Broadly will be joining us and Andrew Friedman of Andrew Talks to Chefs. Um, and you can find the whole schedule at heritageradionetwork.org feast. It is being updated basically daily at this point. Um, and all of these episodes, of course, will be available to download through your favorite podcast app after the festival. But the lab component is going to be pretty fun. And if you'd like to stop by, drop us a line, info at org, and we'll see if we'll sneak you into one of our very exclusive Inside the Airstream audience seats.
3: What's more Portland than a podcast studio inside of an Airstream trailer? <laughs>
4: I think we've nailed it. I mean, I think it's food, food
3: podcasts yeah, in a
4: trailer. In a in a park.
1: Park. In and park. the fact that we're coming from Brooklyn almost makes it more Portland. Yeah. And
4: like coming from like one metal box to another. Of a studio to another <laughs> metal box of a studio, we're gonna be very comfortable in there. It's
3: approximately same dimensions as what we're used to. I can't talk into a microphone unless I'm enclosed on all sides by <laughs>
4: <middle>. <laughs> I require a Faraday cage at all times. That's what <laughs> I was looking
1: for. <laughs> Okay, so we've got a really high-maintenance crew over here, but speaking <laughs> of being in a metal box, I guess, can you call an oven a metal box? Yeah. Hell yeah. Did you see my transition? Is it bigger than yeah, a bread box? the smooth one. Oh, hashtag bread. Yeah, I should have used bread box. So, guys, get excited because Modernist Breadcrumbs is coming back this fall for the second season. We are so excited. Oh, yeah. The first season was just so amazing. And if you haven't listened to it, now is your chance to binge before the launch of the second season. If you like bread puns or just anything bread related or food in general, you have to listen to it. I
2: love bread.
4: And what would an episode of HR and Happy Hour be without Oprah? Without Oprah. Loving bread. She's here. Our Guys, third host.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. It's not a clipper play. She's actually here. Oh,
1: my God. Oprah, it's just so great having you in the studio oh every my God. Thursday. Um, so that a little snapshot of what Modernist um, breadcrumbs is going to look like. As many of you know, Modernist Cuisine founder Nathan Mirvold and... Head Jeff Francisco Magoya will be back with our beloved Jordan Werner Berry and Michael Harlan Turkel. Um, and this season, they're going to build on what they started. I see what, what you did there. That's for Jordan. And they're going to be looking at the discoveries and techniques from the modernist bread book, The Bread Bible, and interviewing bakers, scientists, chefs, authors, millers, bread hens, and maybe some social media influencers. Hmm who are shaping the future of bread.
4: So stoked for that. Can't wait. Think of your favorite bread-related social media (laughs) influencer.
3: (laughs) Bread. Um, All right. And next up, we have a few headlines for you. As we mentioned, this is our fall season premiere, and so other shows have kicking off their fall season. Um, First up... You all may know Gary Vaynerchuk as the chairman of VaynerX, a media holding company, and the CEO of VaynerMedia, a full-service advertising agency. Both are cutting edge. He's a five-time New York Times best-selling author, a sought-after speaker, and prolific angel investor. But did you know that Gary V got his start in the wine business? You can catch him on the season premiere of The Great Nation with Sam Bin ruby And another
4: exciting highlight, the Farm Report is back in action this fall with a new host. Lisa Held is a journalist with a primary focus on covering food and agriculture. She's an expert on how food production truly affects major social issues, including environmental sustainability, economic and racial equality, and public health. Her first guest this week is uh, our good friend at Heritage Radio Network, New York City Council member Rafael Espinall, who recently introduced a new package of legislation that would create a comprehensive urban agriculture plan to promote and support farming across the five boroughs.
1: Rough, 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 ruff. <laughs> and the speakeasy kicked off their season by celebrating the three their 300th episode. Congratulations, Damon and Southern. Uh, it's just... Momentous. Um, (laughs) And to celebrate, they were joined by Karen Newman, who is the author of the forthcoming book, Nightcap, more than 40 cocktails to close out any evening. And you can tune in to hear them talk nightcaps and drink a couple themselves. 10
0: out of 10. Great show. So they're back on or off the wagon, whichever one means drinking.
1: On our wagon, I guess. Yeah, he's on on it. (laughs) Join the Um,
3: wagon. And finally, a little preview. Meet and Three is back tomorrow with a show that I'm very excited about. Our theme is football, and we're bringing you tailgate tips from Atlanta chefs, and we go deep with a look at how football players eat from Pee Wee to the NFL. And I just have to
4: say how much I loved the social media exchange between Hannah and Cat over this episode because I really, really star-crossed
1: lovers. Yeah.
3: It involves some um, a gif of. A touchdown celebration dance because that's how I feel about this episode. Yeah,
1: because the things I like about football are cat and that gif of stand <laughs> <in> spandex shorts <laughs> wiggling his butt. So we covered all our bases. Cat is the number
4: one thing that I like about football. Yeah. Also, Aww. it's it's like a, a short list, but you're way at the top. Thanks. Um, also, quick question: What is the deal? Uh, because. Weren't the, the celebrations like not allowed and then they were allowed? And are they still allowed or what? Well, what, just and what is say, the celebration? I was
3: just about to say, my, my only, the only thing I like better about NFL than college football is that you can do celebration dances in the NFL. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the current rules are with celebration dances in the NFL, but I believe that like a mild touchdown celebration is allowed. In college, absolutely not. What? Why wouldn't it be allowed? Cause, because in college, they like to have really crazy
1: rules. I can't get into that here. I did a victory dance this afternoon when I opened my seltzer. Like, that just feels unfair. Right. I don't know. They just like to be, you know,
3: they like to make everyone have less fun. But I was going to ask. College is hard. Yeah, I know. Uh, So over Labor Day, I went to the first college football game of the year. I was at. I was in Atlanta watching my beloved Auburn Tigers, and we won, and we beat the Washington Huskies. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm very excited about it. War Eagle. War Eagle!
2: War.
3: Um, and get ready for a lot of War Eagle and Auburn-related references in tomorrow's episode. But anyway, how was everyone else's Labor Day? Um, well I I turned old and a half uh, but I was in, I, there.
4: <laughs> um, I was in hey. Dallas Texas so I got to go to my favorite thank you my favorite uh, tex-mex place which is called Frankie's which I believe technically is in Richardson and I ate
0: yeah Frankie that's a good tex-mex name
4: yeah yeah <laughs> it was uh, I ate half my weight in queso and then the other half in uh, my favorite dish there which is a chili relleno on top of a big bowl of pork mm. stew with tortillas so god i love chili mm. i uh i'm a little uncomfortable still but it was really great um yeah how about you guys
1: um i uh pretty much did like non-stop day drinking um, <laughs> classic, which was pretty much all that i had on the itinerary got some really lovely beach time because um The beaches were empty. The New York City beaches where all of us peasants who don't go to the Hamptons hang out um, was really (laughs) lovely. And so that was nice uh, to have some, like, room to spread out and frolic and do some (laughs) cartwheels at the beach. Um, Yeah. And I am excited this weekend because I'm going to make a lot of challah. (laughs) (laughs) Challah.
3: Liza, how about you? Any Labor Day highlights?
5: (laughs) My weekend
2: was what was more, that?
5: My weekend was more fun
0: than that You sound, were making a pun,
2: right? Effect.
1: <laughs> I was in
0: Mystic,
3: Connecticut. Mystic Pizza. Mystic Pizza,
1: yeah. Did you have Mystic Pizza? So I didn't have Mystic <laughs> Pizza. So I've been going there for years. So locals go other places for really good pizza. No offense, but, you know, there's a lot of tourists going to Mystic Pizza. <laughs> so what's the insider's pick, then? What's Angie's Pizza? Okay. It's delicious. All right. Good to know.
3: And Brad. How was your Labor Day weekend?
1: It was killer. I've been
5: on the road, flying around a bit, so it was a chance to lay low and hang out with my kids and uh, cook and chill and, yeah, just lay in the shade.
1: Awesome.
3: So I want to start things off with you kind of referencing back to what I was talking about, college, football, things like that. You went to a pretty big college football school, and you were majoring in mechanical engineering, So how did how did you go from that to cook it?
5: (laughs) Everything went horribly wrong, (laughs) or right, or right. I don't know how you look at it. I love Um, stories that start that way. Yeah, I was probably two and a half years into mechanical engineering, and I liked it. I wasn't in love, but you know it was going to get me a job at the other end of it. Um, But I'd been cooking to make my way through school, and. I decided to take one semester off and just cook and see if this was something that I was really into, or if I should just go back and finish up. And of course, my parents thought that I would go back and finish up. Um, you know, because the way that I described it, it's like a pirate ship back then. You know, it was horrible hours. People are missing limbs. You know, everything's burning <laughs> and getting stabbed. So they, yeah, they were sure that I'd go back to it. And so instead, I went to London because um, my brother had lived there, and I hooked up with a bunch of chefs and didn't come back for nine years.
3: And um, your bio says you did a lot of wanderings.
5: Lots of wanderings. Where did
3: your wanderings take you?
5: Oh, my God. Um, I've, I think in those nine years, I went to 50 different countries. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, it was kind of like my goal. Anytime I wasn't cooking, I would just hit the road mm-hmm. uh, with a camera and just run around and kind of eat, breathe, and do it.
3: Were you cooking a lot during that time?
5: Yeah, yeah. I would, you know, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Southeast Asia, North Africa, the Middle East. So, yeah, everything kind of put its stamp on my cooking, which I brought back my created public.
3: Um, and then the next thing that you did was you earned your grand diploma at Le Cordon Bleu. Was yes. that in London?
5: Indeed, that's a very large, serious word. Um, I, know, I hope I said it right. It was expensive, so I earned that word. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That was again. That was a great foundation, but I think my real learning was with the chefs uh, around town. And um, and you know, I still say that like culinary school is great. I don't think it's a foot in the door. I think it's a different side of the education, but I think the chefs that you work for are probably going to do a lot more to imprint how and what you cook.
3: And then tell us a bit about your kind of journey back stateside and, and working and opening public.
5: Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So my brother, Adam, is one of the partners at Avroco, uh, which at the time was a very small design firm. I think they had four partners and two employees, and that's not even a joke. And they wanted to do their own project. Uh, they were tired of doing projects for other people where halfway through all the cool stuff it would get value engineered out or people would get cold feet. So they said, you know, the only way we can do what we want is if we own the project. And so... It sounded like a pipe dream, and on paper, it was the worst idea ever. You know, my brother and Avroco had never designed a restaurant. I had never run a restaurant. I had never worked in New York. So, of course, the only people that would give us money is our families. So, (laughs) (laughs) they're like, this is enough for us to lose down the line. And... You know, in all honesty, I I had residency in, in the UK, and I kept it for the first year or two as my backup plan. <laughs> but um, fortunately, it worked out. And it lasted 14 years, and we had to close it last summer because our lease was up. And, you know, that's New York for you. When your lease is up, the restaurant's up.
3: Mm-hmm. So you said it was kind of a pipe dream, and it, for many people it might be unlikely that a design firm gets into, like, the restaurant business. But I'm curious... What, what are the benefits of that? Like how, how does that work to your advantage now?
5: Oh, it's amazing. Um, You know, we, the great thing is we get to see a perspective outside of the restaurant world. You know, they're looking at things from a very different angle than we are, uh, not just purely operational, uh, but also what's going to make it a destination, what's going to make it a memory. Um, And for them, they get to bring clients in and kind of showcase their work And so we get to meet restaurateurs and hotel people from all around the world and kind of build that network and kind of share ideas. Um, And also when and if we feel like it, we can flip a concept really quickly. Um, We had a really successful uh, bar called Madame Geneva. I think it ran for like eight years, seven years. You know, it was great, but we just want something new. So literally we closed, I think, for two days and turned it into Ghost Donkey. And so, yeah, it was game on, lights out lights back on. That Let's sounds go. like a
3: reality show.
5: I know. It's yeah. like, yeah, Let's it was a lot, lot of this
3: thing in two days.
5: A lot of tequila and nachos, uh, in those two days. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so it was a quick, quick, quick flip.
3: Awesome. What were
4: some of the like biggest challenges or, or was there anything? You must've had to do so much planning going into that, but was there anything unexpected that came about in that flip?
5: Um, that was weird. It was like, it was kind of magical. Like all of our other flips had that kind of you trip, you fall, you get back up, you trip again. Um but strangely, that was just it, we always say that that was like fourteen years coming together. Um, the guy that runs at Nacho, his name is Nacho, not the food. Um, and he has worked with us in different ways for fourteen years. Uh, bus boy, dishwasher, runner, barback. And that was a place that he could now showcase what he'd learned in those 14 years. So I think he brought a ton of passion into it. Eben Freeman was working with us at the time, and he brought a ton of skill to it. It's a great design, simple design, and all I had to do was make nachos. So, yeah, that one was not too bad.
3: Cool. Um, And then it sounds like, from what you were saying earlier about your time in London, that part of your heart's still there. So any plans to open something over there.
5: Dun, dun, dun. Come on, sound effect. How do, how do, I, how do I cue that in? <laughs> Come on, sound effect. Sound effect. Just We're being ignored. Enter, yeah. yeah, enter sound effect here. Um, <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Yes, thank you. Um, we are opening a genuine licorette, uh, which is one of our bar concepts that we have um, down in Chinatown. And we're opening that in London in about two weeks. Wow. It's right near Tottenham Court Road Station. And it's going to be like crazy. That's exciting. Yeah. 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 It's very cool and very excited. And I get to get back together with a lot of the chefs that helped make my career and people that were influential with me.
4: Awesome. So you are sort of whipping back and forth, and you're going out to Portland, and then are you going back to London for the opening?
5: This month is crazy, <laughs> yeah. Because not only that, we're opening a Ghost Donkey in Vegas three days after London opens. So,
3: do you have a clone, yeah.
5: Chris Um, I have a mini me, my <laughs> son, <laughs> but he's not allowed around fires. Okay. So, yeah, it's um, it's a lot of back and forth this month, yeah. and then literally, it's just back at Saxon Pearl until January. So wow. I hope, fingers crossed.
3: That's awesome. Well, let's talk about Feast. Yes. So you've been to Feast every year that they've had it. Yes. What what do we need to know going in?
5: Wow, I think the biggest thing that makes Feast cool is it's like low pressure, low anxiety. Like there's so many things going on, but you never feel like you're missing out. There's not like the one big food network, for lack of a better channel there's uh, not one big star that's running around from place to place and you're wondering why you haven't seen this person there's not one event that everyone has to go to like there's a dinner there's a um, round table discussion there's a radio show there's uh, a tasting there's the big event so I think there's so much going around and it's all within walking distance so if you want to bail on whatever you're doing it's super easy to get to the next thing
3: I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of event and party hopping Yes. We started seeing all the like, you're invited to this and that come through and we're like, wait, do we have enough time in the day for all of
2: this? Yeah. I have
3: never felt so welcomed or
5: special so as I have <laughs> in the
4: last couple of
3: weeks.
5: Yeah. We're stoked. It's yeah. it's great. And I think, like I said, you, you never feel like you're missing out. You always feel like you are in the spot you're meant to be no matter which event you're at or which party you're at.
3: And one thing you are mentioning that sounds really great about feast is that chefs only really go and do one event. And so they're also there to really enjoy the full experience. They're not, you know, in a kitchen the entire time.
5: Yeah. um, Mike and Carrie, when they, they put together the things that I know that they held in high regard were um, real chefs that really cook instead of personalities um, so that you're actually eating this person's food. And then also making sure the event was good and educational for the chef as well so that they would come back and so they want you to only do one event and that way you can go and support other chefs at their events uh, and you can actually relax instead of just seeing the inside of a kitchen which I've done at so many other food festivals and you come home tired and not having any idea of what that city looks like
3: yeah can you talk a little bit about the event that you did last year
5: sure I can't remember the real name of it, but it could be called Hemposaurus Rex. Uh, that's a made-up thing, but we... <laughs> that should be the name, uh, if it isn't. If um, not, I'm taking Canada it. Hannah looks very <laughs> intrigued. <laughs> that's my new middle name. It's like, <laughs> that's my, I'm giving that as a tramp stamp. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Vitaly Paley, who I hold in very high regard, great chef, great person, great friend, um, he had the idea of... I think it was the first year that um, marijuana was completely legal without a prescription in Oregon. And so he had a farmer raise pigs uh, just on hemp um, after they were weaned. And so the whole point was to kind of build up to this with kind of like hemp-crusted salmon and something smoked over this and cbd this. So there was a lot of like build up, And then we just whole roasted the pigs, kept it simple. And... It was cool. Like I thought in the beginning, it felt a little sticky, especially like when I was sitting in my office in New York. I'm like, weird. <laughs> but um, you know, I trust Vitaly, and and he's like I said, such a great guy, and he doesn't fall into that like, you know, I'm just doing this for attention realm. And so when we did it, was cool because there were so many pe- There was a wait list to get in, and there were so many people like taking notes and taking pictures and really trying to get to the bottom of it.
3: What did you take away from that? Was there a difference in the way that the pork tasted when it was raised on hemp?
5: We're, the meat, no, but the fat, yes. Mm. And it's going to sound like a stereotype, but it tasted grassy and herbaceous. It did taste green. There was like a freshness to it that I think you don't get with pork.
2: Awesome.
3: Um, well I think we should take a really quick break and then when we come back we'll talk about the event that you're doing this year and we'll talk a little bit more about what we can expect at feast in just like a little over a week we'll be right back fish will cease to exist
4: if i come into a like this All will cease to exist if i come into a party hidden like this
0: a very 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 proud sponsor of the heritage radio network we're also super awesome thank you heritage
3: thank you robertas and brandon hoy who always is very 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 proud of us and we appreciate that
2: yes we do <laughs>
3: very, it's brandon very, hoy. very very hey,
2: very very brandon. Very, it's much.
3: Much. very proud to have brandon on our board we are and we're back nature and happy hour with brad farmery of saxon and pearl in public and he is our our like jedi master of feast portland and now we want to talk a little bit about the event that he's going to be doing this year it is 80s versus 90s it's happening on thursday september 13th from 6 to 9 p.m at rose quarter commons here's what this event's all about it's featuring 20 of the hottest chefs from Portland and across America to jog your memory with their own unexpected takes on what we ate back then. Set to a cassette-worthy mix of hair bands, grunge, and classic hip-hop, you'll be channeling your inner Michael or Brittany in no time. To make things even more interesting, we've turned this into a team competition where half of the chefs will represent the 80s and the other half the 90s in a throwback cook-off that's guaranteed to knock your parachute pants off. <laughs> so, Brad, first question, 80s or 90s? 80s. Oh!
5: 90s, 90s are foggy. 80s are still clear.
3: <laughs> so what are you most looking forward to with this event?
5: Uh, it's an, an amazing lineup, so I think it will be pretty trippy seeing what everyone comes up with and what their memory of that period of time is.
3: I'm excited. And it's like definitely... Uh, like obviously the decades are very different and I feel like all the chefs are coming from very different places. Like I was talking to Mason Hereford who like already kind of is the embodiment of the nineties as a person. And I'm like very intrigued to see what he comes up with.
5: (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, like also I get the sense, I
4: just have this feeling that people are going to be dressing up. Do you think that that is true? And what should we expect?
5: Well, I think expect to be part of a situation. I think uh, no I think I think you should dress up as well. I think everyone should oh, come oh, in yeah. in form.
4: I haven't even Our thought of 80s that. 80s or 90s? I think we can be either or both. Right? I think we should be on Brad's I team. Think yeah, so I think mean, so too. Go eighties, <laughs> eighties. I, I, I could be convinced, but you guys have to help me get big hair. <laughs> I
1: just would really love it if someone did the bangs that go straight up in the air. But that's oh. more nineties, I think, right? It's kind of sure.
3: both.
5: It blends. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's some he, blending. Just
3: the in the, Hairspray. Somebody will should be do involved. the claw. In the south, yeah.
1: it's always. It's still that way. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. in Upstate New York too. Hey, <laughs>
4: um, are you? Do you get to like have a different? Are you going to dress up, or are you in whites, or are you in 80s whites?
5: I'm rarely in whites. Uh, so I actually taking it back to the whites might be 80s enough. But uh-huh. I, I know that we're taking a lot of paraphernalia and regalia. Uh-huh. And um, I know we have our own private mixtapes going. So um, Yeah, we're going to break them out and, and get our own vibe going.
3: All right. So are you bringing a team along with you?
5: Yeah, I bring a team of one, okay. and she's amazing, uh, the chef at Saxon Pearl, Nicole, and she's gone to a feast with me for five years, so she knows the gig, she knows all the other chefs, so it's just one big fun experience.
3: Do you think it'll get really competitive?
5: Break dancing? Is that what you're saying?
3: <laughs> dance fight.
4: <Yeah. laughs>
5: dance off, dance off. do you have a Duba secret talent? <laughs> You'll see. Oh
4: my gosh.
5: Yeah, I think it's just competitive enough to not wanna lose, so.
4: That's key, noted. Is there a prize?
5: It hasn't been mentioned, but I hope there's a door prize. There's something, Mike has to have something up his sleeve. This is a brand new event. So it's also cool that at Feast, they don't rest on their laurels. There's almost always one different event every year. So even if you've been before, uh, you get a different landscape.
3: I, I'm just so excited well do you have your outfit plan cut no I'm gonna have to really think about it I I'm, I've am i never been like a huge 80s person but
1: I mean I'm willing to go all out for it yeah like that's I think what's we called for go
3: thrifting this weekend maybe
1: that's <laughs> a good I have idea. some mom jeans I can lend you hey, there you go there you go
3: I need some scrunchies oh yeah neon colors I, there needs to be some windbreakers anybody have a crimper sure.
4: A crimper. Oh, that could be that could. You be can arranged. borrow my hair. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Naturally, crimped.
5: Well, I want to grow a mullet. I just don't have time.
3: <gasps> oh, Business in the
5: front, have party time. in the
3: back. Some <laughs> <Time> extensions.
4: <laughs> well,
5: I'm thinking <laughs> there on might on have bullet. to be. Yeah, there might yeah. have to. At least that's what my assistant said. Those are available. So. Or
1: totally. I remember in the 90s, <laughs> they had those like baseball caps that had a ponytail <laughs> attached. <laughs> So maybe whoa, they make one whoa. like that that has
5: a mullet. With attached.
1: a moulet attached. Uh, get, uh, <laughs> can we just get like some wings? Are you hats? making
3: French cuisine <laughs> <laughs> in your moulet? Oh, God. oh, man. Okay, well, now that we're like ridiculously hyped about 80s versus 90s, should we move on to trivia? I think so. Okay. I, I think it's time. So I'm very excited because in honor of this momentous occasion, I have written some trivia about 80s and 90s food. Okay. All right. Everyone's on Team Brad on this one.
5: Yeah, okay. Come on, support.
3: All right. Question number one What frozen food line launched in 1981 with the slogan good tasting entrees at less than 300 calories? Lean cuisine. Correct. Damn. We're starting off
5: (laughs) Was I meant to do that? Do I have to buzz in?
3: Shout it out. You're it. (laughs) All right.
5: Team of one. (laughs) We're
3: here to support you. I'm doing this. I also mentioned this trivia is a a mix of like high end, low end. So, um, okay. Question number two. What cooking technique most closely associated with fish was popularized by Paul Prudhomme when he opened his pop-up restaurant in New York City?
5: Uh, Blackened?
3: Correct. (coughs) Can I tell you... I I wanted. I had to share this. This is a really interesting story. So, so during a summer residence in New York in 1985, Prudhomme's pop-up restaurant was reported to the Board of Health, which visited the restaurant and closed it before it opened. There were 29 violations of the city's health (gasps) code. Prudhomme ignored the order and opened the restaurant anyway, resulting in the Board of Health threatening him with time in jail if he continued to operate the restaurant. Then, Ed Koch... Ed Koch, Koch, Koch. Ed Koch appeared. (laughs) Uh, Other one, sorry, (laughs) uh, appeared with Prudhomme at the restaurant to declare an end to what the media reported as the gumbo war. The restaurant was quite successful during the five weeks it was open, with lines sometimes reaching four blocks long.
5: That's That's
1: a chef. Crazy! I
3: wish I lived through that.
1: (laughs) Okay. Bonus content: My great grandmother was in an Ed Koch ad on the subway. (laughs) (laughs) What doing? I don't. Some cousin of mine like worked on his campaign, I think, and Ooh. they were like, "We need an old lady who's like ethnically <laughs> ambiguous." And they're like, <laughs> so they made her <laughs> like. I think she's complaining about like it being expensive in New York, and she's a senior <laughs> and she needs assistance. But I have it, and I keep meaning to like frame it because it's, incred- it's That's incredible. Awesome.
3: Yeah. That's awesome. Yes, the golden days of New York City. So mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, uh, okay. Question number three: What kid-focused food brand was designed? and introduced in the late 80s as a way for Oscar Mayer to sell more bologna and other lunch meat?
5: Lunchables? Yes. Ah, it's all coming back now. (laughs) Uh, Uh, You know a lot more about this era of food.
3: Um, Okay, question number four. What candy that first debuted in 1991 featured a liquidy center and came in flavors like Strawberry Splash, Bursting Berry Lemonade, and Extreme Kiwi Explosion? Oh, damn.
1: Ladies, gushers is that gushers, gushers? Oh, yes. oh, yeah ah. you're it's right. like burn candy gushers. that i still gushers. the dream of the 90s <laughs> is alive
3: cool i mean that you can still i mean you can still get all of these things but, mm. the, the, but fact gushers, to... the fact that gushers the fact that gushers yes the fact that gushers
4: still exists oh, is I like it just seems so
0: 90s. I'm gushing right now. Oh.
4: Well, okay. I was like, I, you guys know, I was a hippie kid. I was only allowed to bring fruit leather to school. And like, so the, the key trades in fruit by the foot? The you and me, baby. Late, uh, yeah, late 80s, early 90s uh, fruit by the foot and gushers. Gushers was like. Level 11. Yeah.
5: Sounds like prison.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, if you've ever had fruit
1: leather and tofu pups for lunch, it is prison. (laughs) Yeah, I just remember when, like, friends would be like, I'm not going to finish my gushers. And I'd be like, Give them to me. (laughs) I've only
3: had one once before. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last question. What New York City brasserie that opened its doors in 1997 made an appearance in The Associate by John Grisham? And is where Jerry Seinfeld proposed to Jessica Sklar in
5: 1999. Is it Balthazar? Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh, nice. I, was gonna <laughs> Balthazar I was going to be proposed in Balthazar. So girl. basic. Guess that. But I'm like, have they really been open that long? Yeah. yeah. That's My sister,
3: pop culture correspondent.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep. All right, you guys won yay that's trivia congratulations brad. Good job, good job. you are the winner of trivia <laughs> you're fully prepared now for your event and feast. you'll be able to bring out all the trivia and we're very excited to support you on Teen 80s thank you absolutely absolutely all right well that's our show thanks to brad farmery for joining us talking about his background in cooking and giving us the scoop on feast now that now we're actually ready to go I'm so ready.
4: I was born ready. Um, actually, no, I have, like, a, quite a few things to do, but I can't wait until Tuesday <laughs> night when I'm packing. And uh, we're getting on an early uh, morning flight And uh, we will be bleary-eyed, and we'll see you on Wednesday. (laughs) See you Um, But, yeah, it's going to be amazing. We're super jazzed, and just huge thank you again, Feast, for having us for our very first year. We cannot wait. Um, Well, thank you, everybody, for being in studio. Thanks again, Brad. We'll see you in a couple of days.
3: And uh, thank you, Team HRN, and thanks, Kat. Thanks, Katie. Alright, we'll see you next week. Actually, no, we won't see you next week. (laughs) We won't won't be here. We'll see you the week Uh. after that. You can listen in though. We'll be talking, but it'll be old. We'll see you in two weeks. (laughs) Bye. Yay! HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash
5: heritage.